Our opening and closing theme is by Midnight Syndicate. For more dark instrumental music like it, visit www.midnightsyndicate.com or find them on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or Alexa. True crime stories are discussed in this podcast, which may contain graphic and disturbing content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, everybody. This is Freshly Brewed Noir. I'm Summer. And I'm Jennifer. And this is episode 32, Jim Williams and the story of Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, and also our Savannah trip. (laughs) There's so much goodness in this episode. It's going to be a good one. And by goodness, I mean drama. Good and evil. Is there good and evil in this episode? Yes, in the story. I mean, you can interpret it the way you want to, but... What about in our trip? Was there good and evil? I I mean, you could Maybe. say so. I think it was more good than evil. It was absolutely good. Yeah. There was a little sprinkle of evil. Just a dash. It was a dash, but we'll get into it. Today, we are paying homage to Savannah in that we are bringing back the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Open containers in the studio. <laughs> yes, exactly. I have the rosé. Have... Summer's got the uh, Mexican mule. I was told it was called a Mexican mule, so it's basically tequila. Of course, Terramana, my favorite. I mean, you can never go wrong with Terramana. Right. And then with ginger beer, it was easy because I was out of my normal mix of stuff for a margarita. Yeah, because you had you didn't have any margarita mix, right? Right. So I'm out of lime juice. I mean, what have you been just consuming? Have I been drunk margaritas? for like weeks, <laughs> Jennifer? Is that what you're trying to ask me? I mean, me? it's kind of, it's been a rough week, I know. <laughs> For both of us. What does it feel like every time we record? It's like, oh my gosh, we're so busy. <laughs> it's not like, oh, we've been, you know, on a beach and um, we're just, it's easy breezy. I know. We never have that. It's always something crazy. But the trip was good, but it was a few weeks ago. When did we go? Was it like a month ago? I think it was. Yeah. And we've been saving that trip for this episode. Yes. We're relishing in everything that was our trip to Savannah. It was a good time, but we'll save that for the end. Okay. Because you have to tell us about the story. I have to tell you about the story. I kind of want to give everyone like a, a little taste of what Savannah is, because if you haven't been to Savannah, it's an experience, right? It is. It's very historic. And I know we talked about this before with um, Dorothea's episode and how they were opposed to knocking down historic buildings. And I was like, why? Just knock it down. <laughs> But but now <laughs> you appreciate the history but after now, seeing so many. After going to Savannah and seeing what kind of historic city it is, I was like, all right, I kind of get that. I don't know about Dor- I still don't know about Dorothea. I'm still you you still think her house should be torn down. Tear it down. Yeah. Tear it down. Okay. Yes. Well, that's Sacramento. <laughs> it's not Savannah. <laughs> I, I don't know how to compare it. <laughs> There's no comparison. <laughs> yeah. So... I do just think it's only right to give some information about Savannah so you can kind of have an idea of what it's like to be there. And then when you hear about it, you'll probably want to visit. You should book a trip. It's amazing. And the book that we're going to talk about, I think, really emphasizes that feel as well. And just so you know, you can carry your alcoholic drinks wherever in Savannah. (laughs) Like, that was something that I actually really enjoyed. Oh, was... We popped open a bottle of rosé right there by the river. Yeah, the, uh, nice. the cashier was like, here are some um, cups some for cups, you. Yep. Just go find find some chairs, find a table, and we did. Yeah, and you were like, can I get a to-go uh, margarita? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, yes, ma'am, I'll put it on your tab. Uh, let me just say, that was really a great moment <laughs> Jennifer's like, we can get them to-go? Yes. <laughs> it was like, why can't we do this back home? Yeah. Well, in some parts of Georgia, besides Savannah, I think they do have open container, right? Is it Athens? Oh, well, if it's Athens, that would make sense because it's such a party city. Yeah. But Savannah's a lot of fun. Savannah's a great time. And if you are into ghosts, into hauntings, into Um, just the charm and historic cities, you should definitely visit. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. So are you ready for this? I'm so ready. So, located in Chatham County, Savannah is the oldest city in Georgia. In 1733, which is we're taking it back to the 1700s. Which was a scary time, as we've said before. I've noticed that we take a, a lot, lot of trips. <laughs> a lot of trips. We're always going back to history. I know. And I, I never really we, thought about that. We must be from the 1700s at some point. Definitely. I know we're one of those witches, for sure. We were definitely witches. <laughs> well, we know for a fact my ancestors were. <laughs> we know for sure you... Yes, that is your, in your bloodline. It's in my bloodline. 
for me, maybe I was like, you would what, probably like a you ninja. Would have been, you would have been killed for being associated with me, probably. <laughs> maybe so. Yeah, it was worth it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. Because we knew we'd come back. Yeah. Later on. So in, the, in 1733, it was established on the Savannah River and became the British colonial capital of the province of Georgia. Then it was the first state capital of Georgia. It was an essential port city during the American Civil War and American Revolution. Today it remains an industrial center and important seaport. There are some notable historic buildings located here, which include the childhood home of Juliet Gordon Lowe. Who, if you're a fan of Girl Scout cookies... Who isn't? She is the founder of that. They're so lovely. Every year. In the U.S., yes. I mean, my favorite, I think, would be the um, Allabouts, I think. Allabouts? Isn't that the um, the chocolate on one side? Allabouts. (laughs) Did you make that name? No, I don't think so. Is that really? Hold on. Let me look it up. Tag along? Oh, it's actually called Allabout. I told you. Okay. What, what is that? Like a graham cracker? Um, it's just delicious. I don't know if they still make them, but is it like I a, remember. Is it a butter cookie? Girl, I'm not. If you're all about it, I expect you to have more I'm information I'm all about for eating it. <laughs> not all about baking it. I need to be all about some backstory here. <laughs> I just asked what your favorite Girl Scout cookie was. I wasn't prepared for. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this is your show. You need to be prepared. <laughs> I shouldn't be asking these questions. Though. Right. Well, it's a very pretty cookie. It looks very 3D. All, aren't all cookies 3D? <laughs> no, there's writing on it that's like coming off the cookie. Yes. That's impressive. Well, I've never seen that one before. I'm, I'm telling you, I've been a fan. What What are you looking at? <laughs> Go back to the pictures. The peanut butter patties. Those are good. Why are they calling them Caramel Delights now? Oh, Oh, is that the Samoas now? It must be the Samoas. Calling them Caramel Caramel Delights. Delights. What the hell? (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) Thin mints are my favorite. What are the thank-a-lots? Well, I didn't know what the all-abouts were, (laughs) so you tell me. What are the (laughs) thank-a-lots? Sounds like something you would know. (laughs) The names are always changing. Okay, well, I'm a Thin Mint girl. Love those things. Really? Really? Oh, yeah. Peppermint. I've never been a fan of peppermint and chocolate. I've and always I... thought that was like toothpaste and chocolate together. Yeah. You're like, it's my go-to. It's my go-to. And then I guess the caramel delights, they're really good. Samoas you can never go wrong with. And the peanut butter patties, which I think used to be called tagalongs. I think you're right. They're rebranding some things. I suppose. They're delicious, whatever they are. We'll eat them, no matter their name. <laughs> now I want a cookie. Great. <laughs> I know. You actually had these delicious um, chocolate chip, potato chip cookies. Oh, yes. Last time I came From here. From Crumble Cookie. Yeah, we ordered these cookies. We're going and, on a tangent with the, uh, uh, the cookies. With the cookies. I know. They were delicious. Oh, they were crunchy and gooey and perfect. It was called chocolate chip potato chip. Yep. You just put it in the microwave for a few seconds. It's good. All melty. Unless you get them delivered fresh, and then you don't even have to put them in the microwave. I didn't have them that fresh. I just had them, you know, <sighs> the next so day. And they were still good. They were still delicious. I ate the whole thing. <laughs> you realize you're going to have to edit a lot of cookie stuff out, right? No. Keep the cookie stuff in. <laughs> okay. Georgia is all about the Girl Scouts, so we just got to keep that in. I am here for it. And now I want Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's time for ordering those. It's past time. Yeah. Okay, well, you know our favorites now. Yeah, send them to us. P.O. Box. We have, <laughs> do we have a P.O. Box? Well, it used to be P.O. Box 878, Decatur, Georgia, 30031. I don't think it will be in a few months, so don't send them there unless you're going to send them by July 1st of 2022. <laughs> After that, well, I mean, we're we changing just, it. Oh, okay, we're, we're changing it. So maybe no we'll keep, if we start getting cookies, we'll just keep it. So, yeah. I you wouldn't give away cookies? that gift. I mean, yeah. Or if you want to send us anything. Except, <laughs> well, hold on. Well, <laughs> let's take it back. Let's take it back. Hold on. Only only sealed cookies a- from the appropriate, Girl Scouts. Appropriate things. And just come straight from Girl Scouts to our P.O. Box, please. The first African-American Baptist church, which grew members who founded a congregation in 1773, but was originally organized in 1788, was also a historic building there. The Telfair Museum of Art and of Sciences, which was the South's first public museum, just to name a few. There are 22 squares that Savannah is known for, which come together to create five small parks that include monuments and fountains. Before we forget to mention this part, which it's like the most important part, this city is actually the most haunted city in Georgia and the second in the U.S. just behind New Orleans, which is number one. 
And that's believable. That's totally believable. And I bet it's only second because New Orleans probably has a larger population. And so obviously more ghosts. I can see that. But I ghosts really... per capita. <laughs> I really did think that Salem would be before Savannah. Really? Because they have witches and... The witches don't want to stay there. All that history. Like, well, the burning of the witches, maybe they're... Like they're they only, they would... only hung them in Salem. Well, you don't think their spirits would have wanted to remain there and haunt the people no, that burned like, them? Me, get me out of here. Like these fools. These fools. <laughs> Take me to Savannah where there's open containers. <laughs> That's true. So, okay. All right. Well, you get it. Well, so is Salem third? I think Salem is up there, but it's not... And New York was up there, too. I think New York has some yes, very Yes, Chicago places. is up there, too. Chicago is? Oh. Yeah. I was okay. surprised to see Aren't that. Aren't we visiting Chicago? No. Cleveland. Cleveland. That's right. Yes. I don't know how haunted Cleveland is, though. No, it has that prison. Which prison? It has a prison. But, well, most states have prisons. <laughs> but it has a prison that I think you can spend the night. That is true. Uh <laughs> We may be doing that this fall. That's one of our plans because there's tons of serial killers there. So we're going to cover serial killers. Yes, I was surprised. Dahmer's there. That is Dahmer, true. Yeah. Yes. He's one that creeps me out with all his weirdness. He had so much going on. And I mean, he's widely covered. So there's no reason for us to, no, we'll, to dive into that one. We'll try and find more obscure one to cover, but definitely the ghosts. Yeah. I mean, I know that I'm up for it. I don't know if you're up for it, if you would want to, like, spend the night. I, don't, I a... mean, if it's just us in a cell, how comfortable? Like, do they have beds in there? Are we literally sleeping on the floor in sleeping bags? My back can't do that. We, <laughs> we would have to definitely scope out the sea. I need a super fluffy bed like the ones in Savannah. Those are great. We'd have to ask what the accommodations are. <laughs> right. Do you have feather top beds? <laughs> in these cells. In these cells. <laughs> So with the battles that had taken place there, it's rumored to be built on over 20,000 bodies underneath the historic downtown district. There is a restaurant called the Pirate's House, which was a boarding residence for sailors back in the day. These sailors were routinely drugged, kidnapped, and they would wake up on a boat that had already set sail and took them as slaves. And we ate at this restaurant, and we actually saw the tunnel that they would be taken through. Yeah, it's spooky. I think we posted a photo of it on our Instagram. We did. Yeah. And we'll post another one when we do our Savannah posts. Yeah. But it's kind of crazy just to think about, like, when you think of pirates, you think of, like, people going to hunt for booty, right? Like, <laughs> is that what they call it? Yeah. Pirate's booty. <laughs> yes. But... Their treasure. And they're, you know, they have their little, uh, what is it, with the peg foot and the, the, the eye patch. The peg leg and the eye patch. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's not like that. It's not like these people wanted to do this no, they were taken they were taken as slaves right so they left. and then called pirates <laughs> and then they probably never saw their families again no unless their families were taken with them but still what the heck yeah the food was really good though it was delicious we had the steaks you had a um little frothy kind of drink i had like a pineapple daiquiri or something because i don't think they had tequila yeah i was like what Plenty of brain freezes. But they did all the rum, right? So it's like a pirate's house. So yeah, yeah they catered I, more to the pirate's meal, I guess, and drink of choice. So also the famous scene in Forrest Gump, when Forrest is narrating his life on the bench, it's actually located on the edge of Chippewa Square. I think that's pretty cool. That I love really that cool. movie. Because yeah, we passed it on one of the tours. Yeah. They were showing us all of these places, and that was cool. Jenny! <laughs> That's your force gump. <laughs> That's my attempt. Janai. <laughs> Janai. And your name is Jennifer. Janai. <laughs> Johnny Mercer, the famous singer and songwriter, was born here on November 18th, 1909. Do you know any of his stuff? Oh, when you said Moon River, I do remember my grandma singing that song. Yeah. Oh, it's such a good one. My dad used to play it all the time. Yeah. Moon River. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Sing it for us. Sing uh, it. Listen, listen. That rosé. It's hitting. Jennifer's ready to do some karaoke. I love karaoke. <laughs> not me. <laughs> Summer's two drinks in and she's still not trying to sing. <laughs> no. There's only one way you can get me to sing karaoke. And is it the pomegranate wine? It's the pomegranate wine. All right. Wine. We're it's still the only on time the I've rose. ever done karaoke. All right. You know our P.O. box. Don't send us that. <laughs> <laughs> so you may know some of these songs, like I said, Moon River or Autumn Leaves. 
Clint Eastwood also produced a movie that was filmed in Savannah and based on a book called Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, written by John Berendt. Coincidentally, that book is based on a real incident that occurred there and is the topic of today's episode. A real murder in Savannah. Yes. Love it. The house where this crime took place is called Mercer House. It was an Italianate style home and was originally built for General Hugh Mercer, who is also Johnny Mercer's great-grandfather. But because of the Civil War, construction stopped. General Mercer went to fight for the Confederacy and was imprisoned for a time after being captured. When he was released, he came back to Savannah but didn't return to Mercer House. Instead, he sold the structure to John Wilder, and it was completed in 1868. So even though the house was named after him, no Mercer actually lived in the house. In 1969, Tommy Downs, a young boy, was chasing birds near near this house. (laughs) Why did that make you laugh? (laughs) Because who chases birds? (laughs) (laughs) It's the 1800s. They didn't have video games. I guess that's true. Yeah, chasing birds was a hobby. Go outside, you climb some trees, you chase some birds. Okay. Well, he snuck into an abandoned house, which was the Mercer house at the time, and he got to the roof so he could catch some pigeons, right? Okay. While he was on the roof, he slipped, fell, and then was impaled by Mm. the spikes on the black iron gate that surrounded the house. Oh, yeah. That's terrible. So this poor boy, it's like 11 years old, chasing some birds. So be careful of the hobbies you get, is what you're saying. Take it as a PSA. Do not chase birds. Sneak into abandoned homes. You should never sneak into it. That's trespassing, number one. Exactly. Yeah. Because then you could end up like this. Yeah. That's terrible. So he was impaled by the spikes that pierced his head and body. His spirit is known to haunt this house, and he's often seen standing by the windows of the house, and others have seen the residual scene of his death over and over as if it were on a loop. Oh, so people have actually have visuals of him falling and being impaled? Yep. That's terrible. I guess that leads us into who these people are, right? Yes, let us know about them. That are involved in this story. This is the real life story. Yes, this really happened. I did read a book, but I also did more research just to make sure that the facts kind of correlated and were real. Because the book definitely focuses more on the people of Savannah and the character of the town. The event was his inspiration for the book, but it's not the complete factual story. Exactly. Like, it's more in part two when you hear more about, like, what really happened with the case. So Jim Arthur Williams was born in Gordon, Georgia, on December 11th, 1930, to parents Arthur Kostler and Blanche Brooke Williams. In his 20s, he moved to Savannah, where he became a well-known antiques dealer and preservationist. Over a few decades, he'd become one of Savannah's most dedicated private restorationists and would restore over 50 buildings. So he took his mother's last name? Looks like it, for whatever reason. Interesting. Okay. In 1969, he bought Mercer House for $55,000, and it would be restored within two years. Then he'd move into the home after this and run his antique business behind the mansion in a carriage house. Williams was known to be an eccentric man, like most of the Savannians, but he was not shy with his money and would easily flaunt it. The townspeople were well aware of him, and he'd host annual Christmas parties that were known to be quite exquisite. It'd be a social event that people would be eager to attend. Like, they wanted to go. It was To his party. He had the party to be at. Exactly. He did have his share of controversy when he hung a Nazi flag outside of the window at Mercer House. But it's not clear whether he was a Nazi supporter. But I think it's more so speculated that he did it to prove a point. Or to push the envelope of, like, what he could get away with. What was his point with doing that? Well, I think there was, like, a filming of some kind of movie going on. And there was, like, conflict between those parties, like, him and the crew or whatever was happening. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to, since you're filming in this area, I'm going to put this flag up here. Oh, because it couldn't be in the movie he knew? Yeah. It couldn't be shot? Yeah. But really? A Nazi flag, dude. I know. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, you know what? I'm going to get in your way. And people did complain. And it was noticed, but... Is it in the movie? I didn't watch the movie. Okay. I do want to watch it, though, because I do love Clint Eastwood. And um, I heard it's like a really bad movie. I I heard that, too. But I want to go in with, like, a blank slate, not have other people's opinions, and just kind of 
have my own opinion about it. Like, some people say it's really good, but I do know, like, if you look it up on IMDb, it's got, like, 50%. But Clint Eastwood does make good movies. Can't lie about that. Maybe that's his one bad movie. I will hold judgment until <laughs> until, until I watch it. it. <laughs> yes. So uh, maybe I'll have an update for you next episode. Okay. I'm like, all right, let me um, let, let you know what that. I thought. Yeah. Yes. Because you haven't seen it either, right? No, I haven't. All right. Well, we could watch it. Maybe next time we record, we'll have an update for yeah. you, like what we actually think. And we'll be like, it sucked. <laughs> IMBD was right. We'll see. We'll see. Or we'll, we'll be not... fans. We won't jump the gun just okay. yet. All right. So there were advantages with being connected with him because he was well-connected. He had a lot of money, but it also seemed like he rubbed people the wrong way. It sounded like people either loved him or they couldn't stand him. During this time living in the house, Jim took in and hired a young man named Danny Hansford. Danny was an orphan boy and born on March 1st, 1960. He tended to have a troubled and destructive disposition. And they had met at one of Jim's holiday parties, and he hired him as a sort of live-in assistant to run errands or do handyman jobs for him. He also had a medical condition, Jim, which was called hypoglycemia, uh, which is also known as low blood pressure. And it requires someone to look over him in case he passes out, and so that's why he said he gave him access to the home. Their relationship was a bit strained. It did seem that Jim would like to get a rise out of Danny who already had a temper, and Danny would react and tend to become agitated or hostile at some points. Something about Danny. He had this sexual energy about him that drew everyone in, men, women, and they all wanted a piece of him. Like, they wanted their share. And he was a sex worker, and he had a reputation of being fabulous in bed. So what you're saying is he wasn't just doing handyman jobs? No, no. He was definitely a hustler. <laughs> he was uh, making some money, okay. doing what, what he wanted to do. Okay. So everyone wanted Danny. Basically, yes. Even though he was not happy, he did talk about like he was depressed and didn't want to be alive a lot of a lot of the time. Danny? Yeah. But Jim and Danny, did they have a relationship? It's speculated that they do end up having, you know, some kind of relations. Sex. You want to say sex, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I guess it's later confirmed, but at this time, nobody really knows. Okay. In the beginning. Yeah. Because you got to think about it. Jim is like 50 years old right now and Danny is 21. It's so a big age difference. No one, and they both had their own partners who they'd bring around the house. And so nobody really like suspected anything. In the early hours of May 2nd, 1981, police were called to the Mercer house after receiving a call that someone was shot dead. Jim and Danny got into a heated argument at the Mercer house. Danny pushed over an 18th century English grandfather clock. While Jim was in the study, Danny came in and drew a gun on him. Jim would act in self-defense, feeling that his life was in danger, and he pulled out his 9mm pistol and shot him. He called the police, and when they arrived, they had leisure, small talk, and made coffee while the investigation was going on. However, they noted that he did wait 30 minutes to call the authorities. And so it did give them pause. Like, why did he wait so long? Yeah. So they thought maybe he tampered with the evidence and the crime scene. And then he was taken into custody and charged with murder. But then they also were doing small talk. It doesn't sound like they were in a rush. Well, they came in and Savannah kind of had a history of this person's a wealthy person. So we're just going to, you know. They can't murder people because they're wealthy? I mean, they can, (laughs) but will they get away with it? Maybe. Maybe so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, okay, well, you know, this guy is a well-respected man. He makes money. And the guy who was shot was known as a violent person. You know, he wasn't like well-to-do. It was kind of like, eh, you know. They just wanted that good coffee. It's in the early hours. We need some caffeine if we're going to be over here. (laughs) (laughs) So Superior Court Judge Eugene Gadsden set his bond at $25,000 and it was posted shortly after. The city of Savannah was known to have, like we talked about, a history of wealthy people committing violent crimes and getting away with it. When the news about this crime came out, people automatically assumed it would be a matter of routine. And then adding to the fact that Danny had a pattern of being violent, it was only further solidified. Right. So it didn't look good. They automatically thought it was Danny. 
They did. They were just like, he probably did something. and Self-defense. Yeah. And Jim has a lot of money. And great coffee, so we'll just leave it alone. Yeah, exactly. The case went to trial in Chatham County Superior Court, and he was represented by Bobby Lee Cook. The prosecution's stance was that Jim murdered Danny, whom he allegedly also had a sexual relationship with. Jim admitted that he had shot him in self-defense after Danny fired a gun in his home. A police officer testified that he found Danny's body face down with the pistol under his right hand. He was shot in the back, chest, and above the right ear. There were bullet holes in the floor which correspond to the shots in Hansford's head and back. The leg of the chair was on top of Danny's pant leg. A bullet had passed through papers on the desk and fragments of lead were recovered from a chair that was behind the desk. Police testified that Danny's hands were covered with bags before the body was removed and tests would show that his hands showed no signs of gun residue. The prosecution used this to show Danny had not in fact fired a gun at Jim and therefore he must have staged the crime scene. They claimed that Jim shot Danny with the gun and then he went over to his body to shoot at the desk and chair with the second gun and planted it in Danny's hand. So because there was no gun shot residue on Danny's hand, they were like, there's no way you were shooting him in self-defense. Which kind of makes sense. Do all guns leave gun residue, though? Um, I don't think all guns do. No. So and not the, all the time, not 100% so the of the time. So the gun that he, the, the gun that was under Danny's hand, does that one leave gun residue? Only 50% of the time. Did they talk about that during the trial? They do, but it doesn't come out in this trial because they didn't think it was necessary. So Jim stated that Danny had been drinking and became violent and threw him against the door. He said Danny burst into the hallways, knocked over the grandfather clock and returned with a gun and fired at him. The shots missed him, and that's when he took the chance to grab his gun and shoot Danny three times. He testified that he called the police a month earlier because he was in a rage, breaking furniture, firing gunshots into the floor. But when the police officer testified in rebuttal, he said that he went to the house to investigate the shooting and found Danny sleeping on the bed next to the bullet hole. It wasn't able to be determined whether it was an old or fresh hole, but the prosecution took this and presented that it was an old hole, and Jim shot the hole earlier into the floor, knowing that he was going to murder Danny at some point, and then frame him for it. So he was setting up a scene, is what they thought? They, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And maybe he was in a rage or something, but he premeditated this, is what they were presenting. So Jim's defense attorney asked if there was anything in the officer's report that would contradict his testimony about the bullet hole in the bedroom. And the prosecution said no. Then, on February 2nd, 1982, the jury convicted Jim of murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison. This conviction would stun the entire city of Savannah. However, he soon appealed, posted a 200000 appellate bond, and was allowed to remain free while on appeal. Interesting. I'm like, oh, the wealthy guy. Why didn't he get off on the murder charge? Yeah, they thought he was going to get away with that, for sure. <laughs> Just assumed he would get off. Yep. Now, in January 1983, the conviction was reversed by the Georgia Supreme Court because the defense found a portion of the police report that the prosecution did not disclose. The responding officer wrote in the report that the bullet hole in the bedroom was actually fresh and not old, and that contradicted what the officer's testimony was on the stand. In September 1983, Jim went on trial a second time. This time, his lawyer was Sonny Saylor, whose family owns the bloodline to Ugga, the English bulldog mascot for the Georgia dogs. Most Georgians should know this. Yes. Uh, Even we know this. Yeah, even we know this. (laughs) And we're not even sports people. We don't even know sports. (laughs) (laughs) Sailor's tactic this time was to have Jim be open about his sexuality. If you haven't really realized it, Jim liked the males. But during that time, especially, he probably couldn't come out and be honest about his sexuality, I'm sure. Probably. I mean, I'm sure. It's, what, the 80s? Yeah. Evidence was largely the same, though. The prosecution called a detective who testified as an expert and concluded from his analysis of Danny's wounds that the blood on his face and hands and the lack of a wound on his hands showed evidence that Danny fell on his right hand. Basically, he was saying the evidence further proved that Jim planted the gun in Danny's right hand. 
the defense would attempt to explain the lack of gunshot residue by calling an expert who testified that specific type of pistol only produces gunshot residue half the time. On October 8th, 1983, the jury convicted him of murder and he was sentenced to life in prison for a second time. Jeez. <laughs> so at this point, I'm imagining he's like, jury trials are not my favorite. Not the way to go. <laughs> and there's something that we'll talk about later, I'm sure, with like the underlying bias in juries. Okay. And yes. Reading this made me think, and, you know, we work with trials a lot, and it's just, like, it can go either way. You never know. You can't always trust a jury. People always file those jury demands and think it's great, and... It's a gamble. It really is. It's scary. You're putting your life in the hands of... Twelve other people. Twelve people you don't know. You You don't know their biases. You don't know what they've been through. Jury trials are scary. I think if I had a good judge... I would just do a bench trial. I agree. That's just because we've seen so many really messed up jury trials. Yeah. We were like, what are they thinking? Yeah. But if you're a, a you know person who is not familiar with the court system, then you're probably not going to know like would... what can go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of people do want to take their chance on a jury because it's all right to have one. Yeah, exactly. Which is, which is great. But at the same time, I don't think I'd ever want a jury trial. I don't think I'd want a jury trial either. After seeing like all the different kinds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so in June of 1985, the court ruled that the prosecution should not have been allowed to present the detective's conclusion because a party, quote, may not employ an expert to argue or bolster its theory of the case where neither the ultimate issue of fact nor the method of proving that fact are beyond the average juror's comprehension, quote. It was also ruled that the prosecution improperly discussed facts that were not in evidence at closing argument. The Georgia Supreme Court overturned the conviction and a new trial was ordered. So So round three? This is round three. Oh my goodness. Okay. So he is once again, (laughs) (laughs) once again, going to trial, another jury trial, another jury trial. Yeah, because it's a felony. So he's not learning. You can't have a bench trial with a felony? I don't believe so. I think it's always going to be a jury trial with uh, murder cases. Always? Let me just fact check myself. (laughs) But remember in Pam's case, Russ's second trial was a bench trial. He got it appealed and he was like, forget the jury. (laughs) So he did a bench trial. It wasn't in Georgia, but still, I don't know that you have to have a jury trial. It's an option and a right. It's just not as common. Does the defendant have a right to a bench trial? No. Well, a constitutional right to a jury exists in most criminal cases. The same isn't true with the bench trial. A defendant may waive or give up their right to a jury trial, but if the prosecutor objects or the judge rejects the defendant's waiver, the trial will go before a jury. So they can waive it. So both sides have to agree in order for it to go to a bench trial. But it can. You can have a bench trial with a murder. It's just not common. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. Never heard of a a murder case. Faria's second one was a bench trial. In Georgia. Okay, so in the spring of 1987, the third trial began. Siler remained representing Jim, and he subpoenaed records from the hospital where Danny's body was taken after the investigation at murder at Mercer House. Were you about to say murder house? Yes. <laughs> and it kind of was a murder house, too. At Mercer House. The hospital disclosed a record that suggested Danny's hands were not bagged when he was brought to the hospital. The nurse who signed the documents was located, and she said that while the body was still at the hospital, she got a call from the medical examiner informing her that she needed to bag his hands. The nurse testified at this trial, and she said that she wrapped his hands with plastic garbage bag liners before the autopsy. Defense presented an expert that testified that plastic bags create moisture and could wash away residue. So any, like, gunshot residue that was on his hands, it would have been washed if it was wrapped by plastic, basically. The prosecution argued that the note saying, quote, hands bagged referred to an observation instead of an action that the nurse took. On June 9th, 1987, the jury was unable to reach a unanimous verdict. Eleven jurors voted to convict, and one voted to acquit so he was almost convicted again. Oh. But <laughs> but because of that one juror, it was declared a mistrial and a retrial was ordered. Fourth trial now. Yes. Oh, 
he's got to be tired of trials at this point. He's like, I hate juries. I hate <laughs> my attorneys. Right. <laughs> it's like, I'm not winning here, clearly. No, he's not. Now, the defense filed a motion for change of venue, which maybe was in their benefit. Because I think Savannah was a small town. They kind of, everyone knew each other, right? Right. So maybe for this to be taken to a place where... Well, Jennifer, it's the fourth trial. They ran out of jurors. That's true. Probably. <laughs> like, we've got everyone that we can. <laughs> well, that's everybody in town. I guess yeah. we'll have to change venue. So they did, and it was granted, and it was going to be held in Augusta, Georgia. In this trial, the defense presented another hospital employee to testify that Danny's hands were not bagged until he arrived at the hospital. Then on May 9th, 1989, the jury acquitted him. Only eight months later, Jim passed away in his home from pneumonia and heart failure. Maybe the stress of all those trials just ended his life. For sure. Yeah. I think so. And especially in a town where status means so much. Yeah. I mean, first of all, going through four trials and being... Unimaginable. Yeah, yeah. That, that's got to be very stressful. And then just to constantly be convicted, I'm sure... Do you I'm think he sure, was guilty? To me, it's still a mystery. Like, I don't know if I believe... It's hard to say with, with that evidence. Yeah. yeah. I think that it's believable to me that maybe Danny did get angry, and but... came at him with a gun? Yeah. But I also don't know if I totally believe that he was innocent in it either, Jim. Yeah. It may not have been self-defense. Like, I feel like there may have been some underlying... Jealousy. Jealousy or emotions <laughs> going yeah. on there. Especially since they were sleeping with each other. I think that that's only natural. So it was a crime of passion. Could be. Now, what do you think about, like, discrimination and how it was handled in like jury selection do you think that when the jury had some kind of okay this, bias yeah oh i believe it i'm sure it's savannah in the 80s yes absolutely so you think that they were like you know what because of his sexuality we should just go ahead and convict him yeah we've heard that in several cases and these are cases that were up north so i'm sure savannah had severe prejudice against homosexuality and even in the book so there was something in the book about the sailor his uh second attorney that he got he said that we're going to choose jurors in jury selection and we're going to really ask them like they're going to pretend they're okay with his sexuality guys. yeah guys who are gay but we're going to turn it around and we're going to ask them, so would you be okay if your teacher was gay? Or would you be okay with, like, someone who was teaching your kids? And see the responses. Yeah. And then if they hesitate, we're not going to pick them for the jury. And this was the fourth trial. I think this was around the second or third trial. Well, and I guess it just depends on how well they did with Wadir, but I think that's got to be hard to find people in Georgia during that time who didn't have any prejudice. I agree with you. It's the South and the 80s. You know how it is. Yep. The 80s. Yeah. So I do think that they had a struggle with that. If he was innocent, that would have definitely been a factor against him. So it's said that before Jim passed away, he claimed that Danny's ghost haunted Mercer House. He said that his spirit was angry and wanted revenge, and he tried to have the house exercised by a voodoo practitioner. However, he didn't believe it <laughs> <Okay>. was successful. <laughs> so when Jim's body was found, it was in the foyer near the study where he shot Danny. People speculate that Danny's spirit was responsible for Jim's death. That makes a great story. It really does. <laughs> like, wow, he was found in the same place that his lover was murdered yeah. by possibly him. Yeah, that's a great story. Definitely brings the drama. <laughs> yes. Today, Mercer House is a museum that can be toured and is run by Jim's sister. The house is still decorated with his private collection when he resided there. Guests have claimed to see remnants of the wild holiday parties that were held there. They said that they can feel the angry spirit of Danny upon entry and report feeling like they're being watched. His apparition is reported to be seen in the study where he died or walking in the hallways along with the sound of footsteps and disembodied voices. 
It's also said that Jim haunts the house as well, and his apparition is seen in the foyer where his body was found. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, if they're is if that a little conflict? Spirits, right. <laughs> it's like, gosh, even in afterlife, like, we're like, still... I got here first. Okay, get lost. <laughs> it's like, what are the odds of that? Like, if right. they really are there, did they make up? Are they happy now? Or... I'm sure they're still like there's still conflict. They still yeah, hate each other in the ghost world. Yeah. <laughs> The book, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, does more than just cover the trial of Jim Williams and Danny Hansford, like we talked about earlier. It's a story more about Savannah and its people. There's quite a wide variety of people in this book, such as... Oh my gosh, yeah. Like, (laughs) when I was listening to it, I was like, this can't be real, but I can appreciate eccentric personalities for sure. Now, Lady Shablis... Lady Shebley, I think is her Shebley, name. Shebley, Lady Shebley. Okay. Yeah. Who is my personal favorite. I loved She was hilarious. Yes. She was like, yes, honey, <laughs> against <laughs> the bitch again. <laughs> and um, and she actually plays herself in the movie. So I do want to see that. Like, oh, that's, that's nice. I would watch it just for that. Yeah. She is a, so she's a drag queen who loves life. She's high spirited and she knows how to get what she wants and she'd get it. Love it. There was also Luther who threatened to poison the water almost daily (laughs) (laughs) and he would attach flies to a string and attach them to his lapel. So he was, he was odd. It's a little strange. He Man. also experimented with goldfish and wanted to make them glow in the dark. He had hobbies. We can't knock that. He, he wasn't was, murdering people. So well, it's okay. He was murdering goldfish and maybe, maybe flies. Is that murder with the goldfish though? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> They're not a lot. Oh, real goldfish. I was thinking goldfish crackers. I'm sorry. No, these are real right. live goldfish. <laughs> okay. That's strange. <laughs> So there's also Joe Odom, who appears to be this wealthy man, and he opens his home as a tourist attraction, but is financially struggling and constantly conning people and writing bad checks. Uh, there's also Mr. Glover, who is paid by Mr. Bowen oh, I love this. to walk his dog, Patrick, but his dog has been dead for two years. And so whenever he's walking, he carries an empty leash. That's fantastic. I love that. That was great. (laughs) What a character. (laughs) And so when the writer asked why he doesn't just walk Ugga, the live dog, the actual dog. (laughs) Yes. His reply was, well, then who would walk Patrick? (laughs) I love it. It's like, oh, okay, well, we're just going to let it be then. (laughs) Somebody's got to walk the ghost dog. It's Savannah. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) There's also Spencer Lawton, who is the district attorney on Jim's case, and Jim really grows to hate him. So he gets in touch with Minerva, who is a voodoo practitioner, to put a curse on him. The book really emphasized the residents of Savannah, the charm of the town, and when it was released, Savannah saw a large increase in tourism. It highlighted the high society image that is projected in Savannah, but also showed the darker characteristics that are hidden. The title, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, actually makes reference to the voodoo belief that one hour before midnight for doing good, and then one hour after midnight for evil, which I guess supposedly apply to Jim being good and Danny being bad. And so Jim is the hour before midnight, and Danny is the hour after Oh, interesting. Which was interesting to read about. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't realize Fair that. Enough. And that's where the Bird Girl statue came from, right? Yes. I know that's iconic because it's on the cover of the book mm-hmm. and a lot of people do visit it. Uh, it becomes like a, it's a really. Oh, people buy that thing too. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a huge tourist attraction. It's very cool to look at, but they don't really mention it too much in the book. I don't know if it's more of like a balanced thing of like good and evil. I think so. Like the scales of justice, maybe. Possibly. Or good and evil. Yeah. And she's in the garden. That could be like the perfect kind of analogy for this book, that image. I remember reading it a long time ago, and I thought it was a good book. And I got it after we went to Savannah. Of course. Of course. But this was in like 2000. I think everyone, like, once they hear about the book and then they read the book or watch the movie, they feel this compulsion to go to Savannah and they have to experience it. Because it just seems so interesting. And it is. It's a great town. It's so much fun. 
There's a lot of charm to it, for sure. Yeah. Lots of character. Oh, yeah. If you're into ghosts, you'll love it. So we were into ghosts. (laughs) We were into ghosts. (laughs) Mostly you, but... So we can talk about our trip now. Okay, let's talk about the trip. Okay. So we went on a day tour on the trolley. What do we think about that? I thought it was good. There was a part where we may have almost lost limbs. (laughs) our, (laughs) Our tour bus driver... He got too close to a car. And, and these are tight roads. Okay? <laughs> They're very tight roads. And it's always impressive to me because I've been to Savannah many times. This was your second time? Second time. Second yeah. time. Okay. I've been to Savannah a number of times, but it's been years. So this was all like I was going again for the first time. It was excellent. But when we were going down the roads, they're very tight. And our tour bus driver knocked something off of a car. And so we're in the back on the right. We hear this big smack and break and something goes flying behind Jennifer. (laughs) And and I didn't see it because I was looking towards the other side of the road, but you saw it, right? I did see it. And I was like, okay, well, (laughs) he didn't even stop. He just kept on going. He He was was like, like, so let me tell you about this stop right here. (laughs) (laughs) So the day tour was interesting. At the end, was it when we got the um, the survey? Yeah, they came around with the survey, which we thought was about the tour, but... <laughs> it was more about, like, what did you see? It was about what you saw with the accident. So they must have already had these. It's kind of mm-hmm. concerning that this happens maybe more than once. Like how often yeah. does this happen? <laughs> For them to have a default survey to give you to fill out to say, what bus were you riding? Where were you sitting? Did yep. you see the accident? Um, who's at fault? Who do you think was at fault? And I didn't see it. I just heard it. So, of course, you know, I couldn't say that I knew whose fault it was. I have, I have no idea what was knocked off the car anyway. We think it was a... Um, it was a... Um, uh, what a side mirror. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A side mirror. And But I didn't see it. I just <laughs> heard something. But one of the guys that was sitting like diagonal from us, he was like, I'm not a snitch. <laughs> Okay. I can appreciate that. He had strong feelings about it. He was was not going to say anything. (laughs) I'm not throwing anyone under the bus. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) I'm not throwing anyone under the tour bus. Exactly. I don't know what happened with that. And honestly, we don't know. Was the mirror out too far? We have no idea. Not not my business. Yeah. I didn't see anything, so I can't testify to anything. I thought he was very nice. He was very nice. Maybe he needs to be careful about his driving. We don't know. <laughs> or maybe the person... That parked was parked too far. We yeah, don't know. We're not going to be, you we know... We can't be witnesses, unfortunately. This is his, his side mirror just came off, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Collateral damage. But the day tour was really good. We stopped at a bunch of houses. We actually toured the Andrew Lowe house, and that's when you had your... What is it called? An EMF reader? Yes, it I was, did. It was throwing out words. Big was a word. And that was like the first <laughs> word. We were like, who is he calling us big? <laughs> we were a little offended. We, we, were, were, like, we were like, maybe we have gained some quarantine weight, but excuse me. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think elemental was one. Oh, accident came up. Remember? Did accident come up? Something about an accident. Because remember the driver hit to the side mirror and we're like, oh, that's the correlation. Maybe so. It was accident, beware. It was a lot of very... A lot of cryptic stuff that could kind of be applied to anything. (laughs) It was very general, of course. I was like, whatever. I don't know how credible this is. Right. It was fun, though. But we had fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. And we toured the Andrew Lowe house. We did. Yes. They told us that, first of all, that doll house, wasn't that The doll room. It was creepy. The doll room was very creepy. There's a photo that we have on Instagram. On Reddit. On Instagram, too, yes, and on Reddit. And on Reddit. Okay, yeah. yeah. It creeps some people out on Reddit. They're like, I wasn't ready for that doll photo. <laughs> I know, because dolls are creepy. If you've ever seen, what, Annabelle or anything like that, you know. And the whole room is filled with these old, creepy dolls. There's a bunch sitting around a table. They're sitting right by the door. Yeah, it's... yeah, you're right. Old dolls are very creepy. Even Cabbage Patch dolls, I think, are creepy. Well, no, I had a Cabbage Patch. And you thought they were cute? I thought she was adorable. I wanted one so bad. Yeah. It looked so strange to me. And you know, it was weird too, because her name, her last name was the name of the street we lived on. We lived on Arlene Avenue in California. Did you name her or was she already named? She was already named. Cabbage Patches came named. And her name was Allison Arlene. And we lived on Arlene Avenue. Isn't that crazy? That is kind of crazy. Yeah. I loved Cabbage Patches. Well, I only had one. I had one, but it was creepy. And I, I, I was wasn't cute. like a big fan. You weren't a big fan? No. I that's why I was it. like the Barbies. Polly Pocket was cute too. Yeah. I liked a little 
tiny fun things. Sure. I can appreciate that. I had like little Sonic figurines. See, I was already in high school when Sonic was big. But I remember Sonic being huge. Sonic was my childhood, for sure. I was Team Sonic, not Team Mario. Oh, see, I would have to be Mario, because that was my childhood. Mario and Sonic were around the same time. No. Mario Brothers, like the original one that was all pixelated. Well, Sonic was pixelated, too. Was he? Yeah. Maybe Sonic was around. I don't know. Maybe I just preferred Mario. But Sonic was cool. I remember when the new Sonic games came out and the graphics were so much better than all the oh, pixelated yeah. stuff we had. I remember seeing my brother playing it and I was like, oh, that's really a lot better than yes. what we used to have. It reached its peak in the 2000s and then it's just been awful ever, ever since. since. Yeah, yeah. To this day. I am a gamer. You're a big gamer. I'm not. I'll watch. My youngest son has The Legend of Zelda, the new one. Yeah. I do too. It's like watching a movie. It is. The graphics are just so different. It's so great. Yeah. So that was a tangent off of our other tangent. (laughs) What were we talking about? (laughs) So we were talking about the dolls at first, but... Oh, tell them about the picture. So when we go to this house, they they say, yeah, they split us up and they say to take as many pictures as you can, as many recordings as you can, because you never know what you could capture. And just don't use a flash. Exactly. And so we were just taking photos. And I really wasn't the one taking a lot of photos because I was using the EMF reader and Mm -hmm. you were the one taking a lot of photos. Yeah. So And I got nothing, (laughs) which I'm not surprised about. But then you... I was like, all right, let me take a break. I'll take some photos just to see, like, if I get anything. And there was one photo where we were, what, in the kitchen or dining Dining room? room. It was in the dining room. Dining room. And... They say to try to get the mirrors. So I was trying to get like all these different angles of the mirrors. And there was one that one of our fellow compatriots, Tories, <laughs> he was also there. And there's a figure like right behind him. And right. it look it, it looks like it could possibly be a shadow, but the shadow is like way taller it's, than him. And it's very dark. It's not the it's same a- shadow that's behind the lady that's next to him. Exactly. So there's another lady and... She doesn't really even have a shadow. No, but any shadow by her is a very soft gray. And the shadow behind him is a pitch black. It's very dark. It's very distinct. Yeah. When you zoom in, it kind of resembles like a bowler hat man, right? Yeah. Because it's not the same shape as him. The shadow's different. Yeah, exactly. So that's why it's like, that can't be his shadow because it's not even the same shape. And there was nothing else in front of him or anything to Mm. reflect that kind of figure, give that kind of shadow. So that was really interesting. And, but we only noticed it afterwards when we were on the the bus bus. back and we asked the tour lady and she goes, Oh, that's the bowler hat man. Yeah. So we were looking it up and we couldn't find a ton about it. So we took it to Reddit and I posted it as you do, as you do freshly brewed noir on our Reddit. Our first post was the ghost pictures. And Reddit is interesting. <laughs> Reddit is no filter. They, <laughs> they are literally like either, yes, it's a ghost or this is clickbait. We were accused of posting pictures of women. We're like, so we could get views or something. like, we are the women in the pictures. <laughs> we're just not, posting the pictures that we took. We're posting our... the pictures of the trip. Okay. So on Reddit, we posted some pictures and one of them, of course, had the picture of the apparition. Well, the alleged apparition. Alleged. And then we also did a link to all the original pictures. So if people wanted to go and check them out, they could. Yeah. That's in the actual thread, though. Yeah. There were 114 comments. People are very passionate about their ghosts on Reddit, I have discovered. Yes. And, you know, I'm a skeptic, so I get it. Uh, But some people were just joking about it. And it says, looks like the hat man. All the people in the Benadryl DPH sub talk about seeing. I tried to find this link and there is something about a hat man in Savannah that people see. It could be this hat man, supposedly. So some had silly things to say, like, looks like a grandfather clock to me. And other people would passionately go on rants to defend the fact that this was probably a soldier from back in the day in the war. Because, I mean... Mm -hmm. A lot of war happened in Savannah. A lot of uh, battles. Yeah. So there's like a whole giant paragraph from somebody defending their stance that it was definitely a soldier. 
then there's people like, no, you're crazy. It's not. Um, and we just let them hash it out. We're not getting into that. <laughs> no. There's some people that are like, I believe it was the even bigger battle of Shroot Farms. So if you're the Office fan, you know. You understand. And then there was one person who wrote, yo, WTF, every time I go to a ghost thing, I'm surrounded by middle-aged people who look like they eat at Applebee's. Why can't there be any babes like this when I'm around? <laughs> and then somebody commented, as a middle-aged person, this comment made me laugh way too hard. <laughs> but I guess he got a bunch of um, downvotes down from people. Yeah. Like, I'm glad at least someone thought it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then everybody was creeped out by the dolls. Oh, yeah. Um, they still freak me out. Like, that was the yeah. creepiest room for me. And then somebody was like, ain't no damn ghost and you know it. Like, that <laughs> aggressive i was like i, I think i downvoted him <laughs> yeah yeah you did <laughs> i was like get out of here <laughs> good go away yeah so there was some funny comments on it and there was actually people who just said they love savannah as well for that kind of ghost hunting adventure yeah but yeah reddit is very like they're either all in or they're like it's lies get oh, off for sure yeah <laughs> it's like don't get on here unless you know i'm like calm down <laughs> It's not for the calm people. <laughs> it's not for calm people. Luckily, we're calm. We're just like, whatever. Yeah, we're but not phased. We had to block one person because he was a little too passionate. Which guy? <laughs> the one that was like, it's clickbait. You're oh. posting pictures of women. It's lies. And he just got aggressive. And so we were just like, whatever. Delete. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not. We're we real people. We don't we're not entertain that. Yeah. I mean, you can listen to our podcast, but. I wouldn't say a picture of ourselves would be clickbait. No. Because it's literally us. I'm yeah. sorry if usually ghost hunters at these things are not attractive. We can't help that. We can't. I haven't. We, we have looked no cute that day. Okay. That. Whatever. <laughs> Get over it. Yeah. <laughs> Some ghost hunters are cute. Okay, there. Speaking of cute. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're going to talk about now. Yes. Speaking of cute. Okay, so yes, let's talk about so, the hot tub at the hotel. So we were in the hot tub and, you know, we were like, let's take some photos because obviously when you're on vacation, yeah. that's what you do. And right? I didn't want to get in the heat, but we were just going to jump in, take a jacuzzi pic, which we did. It was super quick. Yeah. But right after we took that pic, who comes over? We have two youngins. <laughs> Youngin, <laughs> minor children, <laughs> two young boys who obviously were no older than 15, maybe. Had to be. Had to be. <laughs> they come over and they're like, so ladies, what are you doing in there? We're like, just uh, sitting. What are you drinking? Just some rosé. Can we have some? How what? old are you? So First of all, if you have to ask me for a drink, you're obviously underage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but they tried. They really they did. They tried. They wanted to trade us pot for some alcohol. And we were like, look, we're too tired for that. Yeah, we're too tired for that. Sure. An adult. <laughs> adult taking from a minor? <laughs> Their own weed. <laughs> or it's just sad. <laughs> Like, if we wanted that, we could get it. Thank you very much. We also can get our own alcohol. Yeah. But they would not leave. And so we didn't want to get out of the hot tub. Not yeah. that we were afraid of them because one of them, my youngest son is 15. And I'm like, they are, they're like, how old do you think we are? I'm like, okay, one of you is 15. For I'm sure. getting 15 year old vibes right yeah. now. But guess how old they thought you were. <laughs> this was funny. <laughs> so they thought Summer was 19. <laughs> and they thought I was 24. And if you don't know, I am 15 years older than Jennifer. <laughs> so it was quite funny. I'm nowhere near 19. It was funny that they thought that. It's probably because they were high. I mean, or you just drink from the fountain of youth. And we're still trying to figure out where that is. I do have a pimple on my forehead today. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I, was, I was like, my body's even confused about what age it is. <laughs> You're ridiculous. <laughs> They were like, oh, can we come up to your hotel room? Go to room 666. Now go. Go find it now. Mm -hmm. Like, just go, please. Where are but your yes. parents? I <laughs> know. Where are your parents? Leave. So they finally left. And then we get out of the hot tub, even though my name is Summer. <laughs> not into that heat. She's not, she's not a fan. No. I got out. I felt like I was going to pass out. <laughs> so I 
sat. Even I felt like I was going to pass was, out. So you know I was about to burst. <laughs> and so we sat down and then this normal aged, this mature aged man this comes over. Normal aged. So yeah, he was not a minor child. <laughs> so this man comes over and starts talking to us and he's very nice. We're like, thank God there's an adult around. It'll keep the minors, minor children away. It did not. It did not. It did not. <laughs> this group of girls came and were jumping in the pool. And he was like, this makes me uncomfortable. Let me come sit by you ladies. Yeah. He was talking to us and great conversation that first night. He made more conversation with Jennifer. I was literally passed out. <laughs> um, was trying like, to recover. I still trying to. I was like, I'm going to die. Back. Jennifer, give me some ice. So I was trying to recover like <laughs> physiologically from the heat. So Jennifer kept the conversation going. <laughs> he talked to us for a while and um, very nice guy, Justin. He was in the military, right? Yeah. And he, and, and he had been to Japan. And so I was trying to get his thoughts on like, oh, yes. when we go. That's right. Because we're planning a trip. So Jennifer was, you know, picking his brain about Japan and stuff. Very nice guy. Yeah. Oh, and then he was like, so what are you ladies doing tomorrow? And we're like, we're taking a tour and everything. He's like, well, you know, I'll be back down here in the evening tomorrow night. If y'all are down here, we'll hang out again. But I think he just really wanted Jennifer's number. So we go up for the evening, go back the next day, do our... We did our... We were literally on tours all day. Yeah. So we were gone all day, came back to the hotel at night. I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and let me just say, the bathroom is like around the corner from the main desk. It's not in like a area that a lot of people would walk past. You have to go past the doors, past the front to get to the bathroom yeah. in the lobby. So I come out of the bathroom and who's there standing next to Jennifer? Oh, it's Justin. Yes, it is. I come out. He was going to get sushi. And Jennifer goes, oh, Summer, it's Justin. Look, who, look who's here. I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's not a surprise. He was probably waiting. No. Yes. Summer and Military. Uh, oh, yeah. He knew. He was waiting for Jennifer. I just don't think it was that, but. He did. He was like, I saw that her friend's reaction to the heat. She probably has to use the bathroom when I come back. <laughs> I'll wait by the bathroom. <laughs> so he was talking to Jennifer and was like, I'm going out for sushi, but I'll be back. And, you know, I'm going to the hot tub again. Are you going down there? And I was just smirking because I know Jennifer. And after a certain hour, <laughs> it's done. Like, she's not going anywhere. She's in bed. She's comfortable. The poor guy didn't stand a chance. He should have locked it in right then and there and been like, hey, come out with me to sushi. Because if she's up, she's good. <laughs> As soon as she gets Summer into that room, too well. yes, it gets comfy. It's over. She's near a bed. You're done, Justin. So poor Justin went out for sushi, probably came back. And did Jennifer go downstairs? <laughs> no, she didn't. I did not. Instead, we watched The Conjuring, the Conjuring. because you had never seen it. So instead of me, I felt like that male was male suitor. <laughs> she, she watched the conjuring with me in the hotel room. I thought that was more pressing. I was because definitely. it's been overdue many I years. I enjoyed it. It did creep us out a little bit because we heard weird noises, but I'm sure that was just the movie making it spooky. And we were in a big hotel with like a bunch of other people. There were a lot of noises and it was Savannah, but it was great. The Conjuring is a very good movie. If you like scary movies, check out The Conjuring. It's a it's, great one. It's like those classic scares. Yeah. With the hands coming out of the closet. And it's oh. not gory. It's it's just the good stuff. The good scares. Yes. Oh, yeah. So poor Justin. He's out there somewhere. He may be in Savannah still waiting for Jennifer. By the oh, if you go to the Westin, just tell Justin she's gone now. I was actually thinking about Justin the other day and I was like, I hope he's doing well. Missed opportunity, Justin. Should have asked for the number that first I, night. I mean, he was probably a gentleman and was like, no, I'll wait till the next night. And I'll ask for her number. And then he didn't realize that you were like, nah, I'm comfy. Feather, well, we had feather a top bed. Forget <laughs> it. <laughs> they were very comfy beds. But I mean, we had been walking all day. I had so many steps, more so than I usually get. <laughs> yeah, okay. we did have a lot of steps. We were tired. Yes. And then when we got back, we had to do a TikTok. Oh, and then we did a spiritual reading. What did we do? Yes, we had to... Speaking yep. of The Conjuring, we yep, had right. to conjure up some spirits. Yeah, we got our inspiration you? from Ghost Adventures. And I actually let a spirit come to me, and then I described it to Jennifer, and she drew it. We can't tell you much more about it. You have to go to our TikTok to find it and see what you think. Yeah. It was, Let us know if it's legit or not. It was, it was pretty amazing. It felt real to us. It did. And I don't believe, but that experience was definitely... Was it a game changer? It was life-changing for me. Yeah, definitely. So you got to see it, though. I can't tell you anymore. Okay. TikTok. Let us know your thoughts. Freshly Brew Noir. <laughs>
And Reddit, Freshly Brewed Noir. Check out yeah. those, all those good things. <laughs> and Justin, if you see him out there somewhere, I tell him, send a letter to our P.O. box for Jennifer. <laughs> or he can... I mean, he can send us a DM if he, he can, wants He can email Jennifer at freshlyboudoir at gmail.com. <laughs> I'll read it and then I'll forward it to her because she doesn't read emails. <laughs> he can send us something on Instagram. Again, I'll read it. I'll send it to her. Am I like the, the hardest person to get a with? <laughs> you might be, yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, well, you manage our TikTok, so he could... Um, no, you manage our tweets. He and tweet even you. then... <laughs> he probably won't get a hold of you. even then, I hardly do that. <laughs> Justin, wherever you are, Jennifer, she's... Wishing you well. Yeah. And wishing. feel free to reach out if you want to. No pressure. You were a gentleman, but maybe... You should have just take that chance next time, Justin. I don't know what would have happened. It's a missed opportunity. We won't know. We'll never know. But that was our trip, right? <laughs> that was our trip. It was we had very a fun, fun three days, and then we had a little road trip. We had our we made a playlist. Yeah, it was so cute. But we talked, talked the whole way there. We more so talked the first <laughs> when we were driving, we did. and then. We kind of listened to it on the way back. A, a little, little bit. bit on the way back, yeah. It's I think playlist. it was more so um, podcast episodes. Of oh, we did to. listen to podcast episodes on the way back. Yeah, we talked on the way there and then podcast episodes on the way back. So yeah. we made a playlist for almost nothing, but it's good background music sometimes. Yeah, I listen to it sometimes I when it. I'm painting. It's a great playlist. <laughs> <laughs> so what is next on the schedule? I've been looking up some true crime stuff, and there is a case that I may cover from the 80s, I believe, about a girl who was kidnapped, taken to Mexico by a neighbor. She was 12 years old. She was drugged. She was sexually assaulted. I want to say several years. He played some type of audio tape for her saying that it was aliens that had abducted her, and they had to procreate to save the human race. And she was 12. So she really didn't know what was going on. Wow. I have never heard of this. Well, it's a very interesting story because he also blackmailed the parents. So he ends up having some type of sexual encounter with both parents. And so the parents ended up signing some affidavit. Literally the whole family. Well, she has sisters too. And so it was just the one girl that he was obsessed with. And then he has sexual encounters with both parents. Well, how does that, it's, how does that even happen? I don't know. I have to read up on this because it blew my mind and he ends up kidnapping her not once, but twice over the course of four years. So she's recovered and then he kidnaps her again, I guess. I have to get more information on this because I was reading about it and I was like, this is very crazy. Yeah. I need more details. Yeah. I'll get you more details. So that's the one I'm probably going to cover because... I had heard a little bit about it a long time ago, but then reading it, there's a lot more information that came out. I think there's a documentary, so I'm going to probably dive into that one. Do that next. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I can't wait to hear those details. Um, that sounds like a very obscure, crazy case. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Until next time. Stay drunk? No. Wait. Stay caffeinated? I guess you can stay drunk this time. <laughs> We're actually not drunk. We're just... Um, Buzzed. Stay, stay buzzed. Buzzed. <laughs> buzzed. <laughs> Get hobbies. And don't murder people. Bye. Bye. Bye.